What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast. On today's episode, we have another amazing, amazing episode with an interview that we have that's coming up. And when is that happening? Right now. so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody, welcome to today's show, The Perfectly Blended Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, with here with the beautiful Miss Christy. How are you, babe? I'm good. I'm wearing red. And wearing I, red. I rarely wear red. Red hot mama. Try to say that fast. What? Rarely wear red. Rarely wear red. I don't no. know. RWR. That's what we're saying. Rarely wear red. Rarely wear red. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So today's episode, this is an amazing, amazing interview. But listen, this is what we want to tell you, right? This is a podcast about marriage, right? And so sometimes we do podcasts. Sometimes in marriage, people have sex. (laughs) And sometimes in marriage, people do have the S word, right? So today we do have a guest that uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about that. It's not in graphic way, but it is a little bit, a little bit more. We have sections a little bit about Sex. So because we we're make talking sure. about the psychology of marriage yes. and where psychology started. So with that, you know that we are a Christian podcast, and this isn't against Christian morals, but no. we do want to allow you to have headphones in if you're in front of your children. We want to give you kind of a pre-warning, like, you know, there is some stuff that's going to be talked about and stuff that maybe you don't want your younger children listening to. Right. Or you don't want to listen to during church. No, it wouldn't <laughs> even be a problem if that was the case. Our pastor talks about this stuff, so it's fine, but he does. we want to be very respectful of you and little ears that are floating around. So Read Song of Solomon if you think it's not in the Bible. Yeah, the Bible's dirty, okay? <laughs> so we want to invite him on here in just a second, but we want to let you know his name is Tim Kellis. He has been in the marriage space for 20 years, over 20 years, and he has a heck of a story to talk about. He has a very unique angle on marriage, and we really honestly believe that you'll find so much value in it. Uh, This was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it, and we hope that you enjoy it as well. Let's bring on Tim. All right, everybody, we want to welcome Tim Kellis to the show. Tim, welcome to the show. Josh and Christy, I cannot thank you enough for allowing me to come on to your show. Listen, this you guys, this is big. You guys are good, man. I like this. This is going to be fun, man. But I'm really <laughs> excited about this. Thank you guys very much for the opportunity. Yeah, hey, you know, welcome. we really appreciate you taking the time. You have an amazing story. Yeah. This is something that our listeners and our viewers could really get a lot of benefit from. So, you know, we uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and joining us for this short time. We do. My pleasure, my friend. My pleasure. It's a big topic. I listen. I could talk about this thing for hours, man. And it's about time we got to <laughs> let's put our foot down. Let's let's make this clear at the beginning. We're here to put our foot down. This whole thing about let's just get divorced. That, that we got to figure out a way around that one. Yeah, I love it. I, I love agree. It. Yeah, that's exactly how he we agrees feel too. A whole lot. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree a whole lot. But that's the point, right? So why don't you do us a, a favor and tell us a little bit about uh, Tim today? Tim, what do you got going on right now? Well, the, the foundation of what I, where I'm at right now, and, and this is, I'm actually the founder of one of the largest marriage groups on Facebook. This is the biggest thing I've got going on. And, and in fact, today, um, as of the recording, we're, we're about to go over 27,000 members. Wow. And I'll make this really quick, but what I've done, I've been involved in so many other marriage groups and 
I've actually been kicked out of a lot of marriage groups because you find out that a lot of people are, the groups are founded for the fine founder, by the founder, for the founder. I'm an open, my, my, my group is a completely open, open book. I actually have a private DM group with 80, eight, zero other marriage experts. So I allow anybody to come in and contribute, um, quite honestly, except for the professionals, but we can get in that later. I do not allow professional licensed therapists in my group for, for general speaking, because you know, <laughs> but, but other than that, you know, and in fact, you get good advice from the, from the members. I am about to take my message nationally. So in fact, you know this, uh, you guys know this, but I was just uh, kind of kind of booked a, a speaking event today down in Miami. And I met somebody there who's going to introduce me to the head pastor at a big church down in Miami with 50,000 members. And, wow. and I'm going to try in the South Florida area, but anybody else, I'm, I'm in the process of getting engaging with churches because all churches have marriage education and you, you get good advice from, from church, from the church uh, community yeah. uh, for marriages. You know, you get the, 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 the message from the Bible is, is pretty solid. If you get past the woman subordinate to the man thing, um, you know, once you get past that, then the rest of the stuff from the Bible is pretty cool. But that's a big thing I've got going on. I mean, I'm working with couples on a regular basis. I have video testimonials on my, in the group. Um, yeah. When I get done working with couples, they're back together. I, I just got done, and I'll end with this, but I just got done working with a couple, for example. Let's just say 40 years ago, something bad happened in their marriage. And these guys have stayed married for 40 years with that barrier between the two of them. Not only did I break that barrier down between the two of them, but I got to find the source, the root cause of the problem. Mm. And once the root cause of the problem was understood, then the reason for it happening was understood. And, and I mean, it's not going to happen again. This was 40 years ago, and these two are or much better place, but I got their marriage back to where it was at the beginning. And that's in essence what I do. I basically teach couples to, to like each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's always and, helpful. And we love that. Um, Josh and I, I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Deal, but he is huge in the space of blended families and step families in the Christian mm -hmm. community. And we've had him on our podcast a few times and we talk about all the time, like, yes, we're in our second marriage and we don't want people to get divorced, though. Like if we're coaching yeah. a couple that's in their nuclear marriage and that's their first marriage, we have found success in our second marriage. But that's because we've put the work in and our first marriages, we didn't. That's right. And that's right. what people need right. to do right. is put right. the work in because the sanctity of marriage is important and we want to see couples stay together. Yeah. Well, in the way that let me let me add to that, though. Because, you know, the, what you just you just brought up a very uh, confusing point, and that is that marriages are difficult, that marriages are challenging, that yeah. marriages are hard work until they become easy. Mm -hmm. The easiest relationship is the easiest one. And so if you realize once you get to that point in the marriage, then the relationship isn't so difficult anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, then, then that's where you're trying to get in the marriage. When the marriage gets to be easy, that's where you're at the place that you want to get to. Yeah, yeah, true. That's yeah, true. That is so true. And this is the, re the main reason why we wanted you on because we haven't had anybody on our show yet, really, that comes from the stance that you do because you're so much against divorce, which we can appreciate. You know, because our the crowd that we talk to, the 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 demographic that we speak into is blended families, which is all divorced people. But not to, all. well, no, they're not all, but the Widowed. majority is, right? The majority yeah. is. And so to have your perspective, right. in which we're gonna dive in a little bit, even how you even got started into this, but to have your perspective in it is powerful because you're not just passionate about it, you're super confident about yeah. it. Yeah. And that makes a difference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, what, you know, what's funny about that, I had actually a, a, a husband and, and these two, these two, husband and wife are kind of struggling right now. And I spoke to the husband last night and he's like, you know, his grandfather was like, uh, she's not giving in, just just leave her. And he, he tells me the same thing you just said. He goes, you're the first and only person 
who was and, and for, for one thing my my biggest two by four across the forehead are the kids so that's actually what got this conversation started because you know when you do that you're passing that lesson on to your children and it becomes a generational thing and mm -hmm. that when i made that comment to him he's like you're the only person that's sitting there going listen you got kids involved you got you know family involved you got to figure this out as opposed to the grandpa saying just leave her yeah and yeah that's what most people do they're just like just just leave them just, yeah you know, my dad did my dad told me that in my first marriage he 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 said no it's you're done it's done just go and i didn't know any different i didn't know any better and and that's and the that's problem. Yeah, your that's your dad. That's somebody you look up to telling you. That. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't know. My any dad different. was married five times. <laughs> five. These are the examples. Well, but but you know, and that's sort of the point. You know what? What's so funny about this conversation? I walk up to people all the time, and my my first comment I'll make is I've solved the marriage problem, and. About 90%, and I'm not exaggerating, about 90, 90% of the time, I'll say I've solved the marriage problem before I finish the sentence. The person responds, don't get married. Before I even finish wow. the sentence, I have solved the marriage, don't get married. I haven't, I didn't finish what I was, he's already telling me, don't get married. That is what, that is the mindset so many people have given up on the institution. Yeah. They go through bad relationships and they're like, screw it. You know, all women are bad. All men are bad. I get through the whole, it's called separate but equal when you generalize and stereotype. And, and that's what you do mentally. You go, it's not she or he's bad. It's their bad. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. So tell us a little bit of, though about how you even got into this space. Like what, what brought yeah. you into the space of marriages? You could have been anywhere. You could be anything. So. Tell us a little well, bit. Well, I'm that. not a psychologist, and and that turns out to be actually very important. These kind of innovations that that and and from my understanding, you guys are doing the same thing. So I don't I'm, I don't claim any exclusivity on what I do is I address marriages mentally and psychologically, and and that's how I basically categorize. If you're addressing marriages mentally and psychologically, it works, and you're doing the right thing. And the people you're working with, by the time you're done working with them, their marriage will be back on track. Amen. I first of all, my dad was a cab driver. I was raised in St. Louis, so my parents were poor. Okay. When I was 12 years old, <laughs> I told my mom I wanted to be a Catholic priest when I was 12 years old. And then I discovered girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that whole career path kind of got derailed. But I was raised with a moral compass, you know, as most of us were. But I did happen to do well in school. So I have an engineering degree. So let me state up front, I am a nerd. Okay. So when I talk... <laughs> Keep that in mind. I am an absolute nerd, a, a self-proclaimed nerd, and uh, I take that nerd to a whole big level, as you're about to hear. But I have an engineering degree. I spent nine years in the telecom equipment industry, and then I went back and got my MBA, and I became the first semiconductor analyst on Wall Street to focus in the communications market. That's my claim to fame. Right. So if you imagine a career with that kind of skyrocket, and then at the peak of that career, it was a girl I had known for eight years. She was part of my circle of friends in Dallas. I lived in Dallas for 10 years. Oh. She always had a boyfriend. I always had a girlfriend, but we got together when we weren't seeing anybody and we fell in love. And the first question I like to ask, and I already know your answer, but when the two of you first met, wasn't it easy, right? It's easy. You met this person, you look at him and go, I can, I did, where do I know you from, <laughs> right? It's like, wait a minute. In fact, I explain all that psychologically. You are actually looking for your partner before you meet them. It's called the mm -hmm. anima and the animus, if you want to get into the young stuff. But but you're looking for somebody and then you meet them and then it's also, wait a minute, you're the person that I've been working on up here and now I've met you and it's just, it comes together. Same thing with her and I. I fell in love very quickly. This woman that's just beautiful, this, you know, sophisticated, intelligent, educated. I mean, just 
had all the right things and just beautiful, just, you know, and, and I was, I was gone and we started fighting, but then it was the going to the therapist that, that just blew it. You know, it was just, it, I'm, I'm like, I'm paying this guy to fix. And, and, and just so you know, the background, let me, the, the background on me on why I'm doing this, the only reason why I could say I have solved the marriage problem is because I forgave my parents when I was 25 years old. Mm. And little did I realize, I mean, you know what an assume means, you know, and I assume, well, you know, I mean, I'd go out with this girl. I'm like, well, I went through this. Just, just you go through it. Just, all you have to do is do this. <laughs> and it wasn't so easy. And then I'm going to the therapist and I'm like, I went through, just get that to happen. What, what do you need to do <laughs> to get that to happen? He never even addressed it. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to take on this project. I spent nearly two years researching and writing this book. 20% of my book is a summary of Carl Jung's autobiography that I read nine times wow. before I was able to summarize. I'm actually advancing some of Carl Jung's concepts if you want to really get deep. So, mm. so would you say that a big part of the strengths of the union and marriage is based on the strength of the individual? Well, you have to be happy with yourself first. I mean, everybody knows that. That's part of my that's part of my seminar. And every time I say that, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but let me let me explain that though. Here's the caveat. <laughs> let me explain to you what it means to be happy with yourself, folks. When you are happy with yourself, other people can't upset you. Just so you know, okay? Yeah. You're not happy with yourself if you're happy with yourself. But so and so just pissed me off. That is not happy with yourself. Right. Okay. And so many people, I'm happy with myself, but. <laughs> Right. And yeah. we all know any word before the word but doesn't count. <laughs> right. That's true. It makes it difficult. You're right. Yeah. Well, what, what you're doing is you're projecting. Yeah. You know? And we could have we could have a whole conversation on projections. Yeah. I mean, if people if, what I that's all I teach. That's that, that's all probably what you guys teach. All I teach is projections. If you understand the dynamics of a psychological projection. OK, one of my original thoughts that I've never say, seen any place else. The psychology industry is based on transference. And, and when Freud, it wasn't Freud who discovered psychoanalysis, a guy by the name of Joseph Brower and his client, her name was Anna. Oh, he got her to recall her source of her problems. But then she became pregnant with his child. They never had sex. They called it hysterical pregnancy. And he got scared because he was married. So he gave her to Freud. So she transferred the feelings of her of her emotions toward to thinking she was actually having intercourse with, with, with this therapist. Wow. Right. That's called transfers. That's the foundation of therapy today. You go in and talk to a therapist. You're exposing your, your psyche. You're exposing your soul to yeah. the therapist. That's why you're vulnerable to falling in love with a therapist. But a hundred years in the industry, nobody in the industry has ever taken transference from the since they call them patients, since they, they think it's a medical condition, but from the doctor patient to the husband and wife. Wow. Wow. And so if you don't solve the projections if you keep projecting what's going to happen you're eventually going to tr transfer all that stuff from the past on your partner and your partner oh, yeah. anything to do with it well josh That's and cool. i talk about that a lot in recovery so him and i mm -hmm. are both recovering alcoholics yeah. and uh been through the 12 steps and we run a recovery ministry at our church and that's yeah. part of recovery too is being self-confident like if you are starting to get angry or annoyed about something with about somebody else it's usually something to do with yourself it's it's uh insecurity that you have or it's something that you have that's making yeah. you uncomfortable or angry or jealous of the other person because you haven't found full confidence or healing in that part of you yet yeah. Well, and, and quite honestly, you know, and, and obviously, as you probably know, the blue book opened the first couple of pages based on mm -hmm. Carl Jung, right? 
-hmm. but there's a um let me just say a weakness in the, in the 12 steps and mm -hmm. the weakness is amends okay? yeah and and the point is in fact i have a, a a mentor of mine this is where the conversation gets bizarre but i have a mentor of mine who's actually translating the oldest bible in existence that was written in aramaic and one of the things he discovered is that when they translated from Aramaic to Greek, the concept of forgiveness, they translated it to mean to pardon. The Greeks screwed it all up, okay? Because that's what amends are. I pardon you. Yeah. Okay? But I'm still anxious about what you've done to me. That's not what Jesus said. What Jesus literally said was that forgiveness means to cancel. It's not making amends. It's forgiving. It's letting yeah. go. And until you let go, mm -hmm. that anxiety still exists. Until you yep. cancel that experience, whatever that experience was, it is still part of your psyche and it still influences you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, actually, that's the technical way that we, and I know we're kind of sidebar in this, but that's kind of the technical way that we treat amends is amends isn't for the other, it's for you. And so well, that's forgiveness. That's the yeah, whole point. Yeah. Which is forgiveness. Yeah. And I mean, I have guys that's, uh, you know, filled out letters and signed letters to their dead, you know, dead parents. And like, yeah. that is an amend. That's just, the, that's the right form of amends. The amends, yeah. you do it in a healthy way, which means it's not on reliant on the other person. It, it if you're letting to, go, if you're letting, letting go, out, letting go, as long that's as you're letting go. Okay. Cause it, the, yep. the whole pardoning concept is a problem. You know, if I still am anxious about what, cause remember it's perception. I perceive that you guys have wronged me. <laughs> Shame yeah. on you guys. You guys are bad people. Okay. And how am I going to get over that? So I can actually see that you're not bad people. I can't just yeah. say I pardon you because I'm still anxious about yeah. what I perceive you've done to me. But yeah. when I forgive you, it's like, wait a minute, they actually are pretty good people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we want our listeners and viewers to know right now, this is, <laughs> this is a free coaching session is basically what you're getting yeah. because yeah. this is, this is the real meat and potatoes of truly making relationships work. It's a major part of it. Now I know there's much more to it and we'll talk a little bit about that, but these, these things are things that matter. They, they make a difference. These are the core of uh, having a, a healthy, happy relationship. So, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about therapists and I understand now your take on it. And I'm glad that you were, had an opportunity to kind of explain a little bit about, about that. But um, tell everybody about your personal unique approach. Now, I, I, you talk, touched on a little bit in the beginning, but share a little bit more about that if you would. Well, and, and, and just so you know, this is the this is the um, uh, the major uh, cataclysmic shift in the psychology industry. In fact, I compare it to Elvis taking all the African American music and making it white music. Right? That's what this is doing, and it's addressing marriages mentally and psychologically. Because the psychology industry gives behavioral advice. Okay, mm -hmm. like the yeah. five love languages and behavioral advice does not work unless you understand why you don't behave that way in the first place. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. that is what I do that's different. I actually, my that therapy session that, that led to this, I actually have a transcript of the last therapy session with this therapist where he asked me six times, six times, how does it make you feel? He never once addressed the root causes yeah. of the mental problems. And that's so dangerous. It's absolutely, well, it contributes to divorce. That's why my, my analysis is that 80% of couples who seek help from professional licensed therapists end up getting divorced. That's my analysis. Yeah. Okay. That means 20% of the industry knows what they're doing and 80% do not. Right. Yeah. Which is an unbelievable, again, 50% failure rates, the starting point of this conversation. Yeah. They cannot claim that they're success. We have 600,000 therapists in this country. We spend $12 billion a year in therapy. They cannot claim that they don't have influence of the in, of, of actual consumer. Right. They have a big enough 
market in the industry yeah. that they have influence. In fact, they have so much influence that, and then I can, like I said, I can talk about this forever, but the psychology industry just recently introduced a disorder that you have to see a therapist when the seasons change. It's called seasonal affective disorder. Look it up. And when I heard about that, I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard in my entire life. But the industry is trying to figure out how to make all of us susceptible to therapy. Mm -hmm. In order yeah. to do that, they have to make happiness a disorder and they're on their way. It's called toxic positivity. Look it up. Wow. Wow. Toxic positivity. If you're happy in your marriage, you're a problem. <laughs> Isn't that sad? And that's just a sad way. You know, it. It is amazing, though, that somebody like us, right? So we kind of get this uh, imposter syndrome. You know, I think a lot of times if you don't go and you get these advanced degrees and all of a sudden now you want to help people with, uh, you know, your own experience and the things that truly have worked, but it doesn't line up with the guy that has the PhD. You get imposter syndrome about trying to go and really give assistance to people. And I think, in my opinion, and I believe in my wife's as well, it really puts a muzzle on, a, on some of the greatest voices that can truly speak into people and truly help them. Well, as part of my research, I read 100 books to research my book. And as part of my research was two dozen relationship books. And mm -hmm. forgiveness is not mentioned in a single one of them. Not a wow. single relationship book mentions forgiveness. And that is unbelievable. And, and here's the way I've kind of thought about that question is, is Carl Jung is the one that figured it out. Okay, Carl Jung is the one that that talks about spiritual transformation, which is what we're talking about here. It's spiritual transformation. And Carl Jung did not have a bad relationship with his parents. And I have found three books, three books that deal with forgiving your parents. One's called uh, there, No One's to Blame. The other's called Forgiving Your Parents, Forgiving Yourself. And the other one's called Prisoners from Childhood that were published in the 70s and 80s. Wow. Three books, and that's it, that mm -hmm. talk about this. So in other words, there's not been a professional therapist in 100 years that has forgiven his parents. In wow. 100 years, there's no professional that says, I have the degree, which is what you're talking about, uh, Josh. I've mm -hmm. got the degree, and I also have the experience. Yeah that I've mentally gone through this healing process. And now I'm teaching my client base about what I've gone through. There's, you don't find that. There's no right. professional that's actually gone through because one of the things you really, and I have to be very careful in, in, when, we, when we have this conversation, but one of the things you realize is, is here's the way I kind of kind of describe this example is, you know, police officers spend their entire time dealing with criminals, mm -hmm. right? So police officers have that criminal mindset. I don't know about you, but I can never imagine killing somebody. No, and I don't know right. about you, but I could never imagine stealing from a store. But if I am in that world day in and day out, mm -hmm. I am constantly dealing with murderers and thieves. That is my mindset. Well, think about the therapist. Their entire world is dealing with people yeah. with mental problems. And that yeah. is their right reality. Then you realize that most therapists get in business because they only have their own mental problems. Yeah, so true. Young, young, mentioned, young mentions in his autobiography, Young mentions literally in his autobiography that Freud had a neurosis. And he says after that, he goes, how can the students learn when even the master can't figure it out? That's yeah. his quote in his autobiography. Yeah. And Freud had a neurosis. Freud saw his mom naked when he was two years old and was sexually aroused. And he actually saw infant boys breastfeeding with erections. Those are the two experiences that the mm -hmm. entire psychology industry is founded on today. 
is that's what gave him the whole, well, it's because I want to have sex with my mom. And then he finds the Oedipus complex and he reversed engineer that story to be able to support the thesis that he had, which was an invalid wow. thesis, but he was going to prove his point, which yeah. is what people do when they're insecure in their own relationships. Right. I'm going to prove I'm right, regardless of how illogical I am. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the question is like, why do you believe that the, that things haven't changed over this many years? I mean, a hundred years, 200 years of, of doing the same thing and getting the same results. What, why have things not changed? It's the biology theory. It's the biology theory. What do we think about from the psychology industry? The mat, the rats in the maze, Pavlov's dog, they Mm -hmm. still have things today. They study apes. Yeah. What does that have to do? What does that have to do with me? (laughs) Right. Right. Convention, listen to this one. This one will blow your mind. Conventional science has long held the belief that the mind is an illusion, a side effect of the electrochemical activity of the brain. That is the foundation of the industry today. And has you guys got to keep in mind, they used to stick ice picks up the eye socket in mm-hmm. the frontal yeah. lobotomies in the frontal cortex. That yep. is the that is psychiatry. That is the medical approach. They still do electric shock therapy. Listen, listen know. to this one. This will blow your mind. I had I had a girl that I worked with back when I first got started. This girl was either seven or 11 years younger than her next oldest sibling. And she had you know, a bunch of siblings. She was a mistake. And her parent, her, her dad died on Christmas Day when she was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And her family blamed her oh. as a 12 year old. And this girl knew so much about psychotherapeutic drugs that she couldn't take any. They weren't effective any longer. Wow. And she would come in my office. I just had electric shock therapy. I'm okay. It doesn't bother me. Low voltages. Yeah. This is what this is what the industry's the crap the industry's feeding her while she comes in shaking because they just sent shock waves through her brain. Wow. 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 That's the industry. And because and what Freud, and, but people got to keep in mind is Freud and Young started it. That doesn't make, Freud didn't create a science, he created a religion. That's one of the other things that Young realized. There's no science behind psychology today. It's all religious based. I mean, it's all, it's it's sex based. It's not God, it's sex. Sure. Young, right. one of Young's other conclusions is that Freud replaced a God from above with a God from below. Young realized that Freud was replacing religion with sex. And half of the conversations in my group are about sex. Right. Okay. Sex is a biological thing. In fact, it's not sex, by the way. It's lovemaking. It's lovemaking. Right. Lo- lo- lovemaking is a mental connection. Sex yeah. is, a, is a biological connection. Why does the industry talk about sex? Because of biology. Why yeah. does the industry give behavioral advice? Because you are incapable of thinking. So <laughs> since you can't think, I have to think for you because you're an animal. I'm giving you advice like you were my pet. Wow. Okay? The reason why they ask the how does it make you feel question is because you're an animal. You can't think. Animals feel. Okay, yeah. how you're able to think about your feelings they haven't figured out. That's illogical because remember, there's no mind to an animal, but how you're able to respond to the feelings. Because remember, the right answer is how does it make you think, not how does it make you feel. Yet, cognitive behavioral therapy is the most common therapy in the entire. This guy asked me six times, How does it make you feel? Six times. Yeah. I know how you think. You're logical. I know how you think. So, I want to go with your feeling side. Just tell me how you feel about it. Yeah. And I walk out, I'm like, well, where's that going? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I watched, you know, your interview. I've read a bunch of stuff that you've written. You know, I I went through your Facebook group, which is amazing. It's very interactive. And I do, I appreciate how you allow other people to come in and, you know, share their their own expertise and voice. And I think that's, you know, I, that's appreciative. But, you know, when, we when have, you go we through. Have, we have 30,000 comments a month in my group. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's absolutely crazy to me. But, um. You know, if you had a couple, 
that was going to come to you. And they are on the verge, literally on the verge of divorce. And they, they feel like it's given it up. What, what is your single first thing what you would say to them? Piece of advice. Well, the first thing I would say to them is just relax. Just, just take what, one of the things that I've discovered is that, in fact, I will say every marriage, and I'm very careful about making absolute statements. So this is a, this is a significant statement. Every marriage has one problem. Every marriage has one problem. Sometimes it's different for the husband and wife, but every marriage has one problem. Mm -hmm. And then everything else builds on that problem. And let me give you an example. So I'm working with this couple. The husband requires sex from his wife every day. And it lasts between an hour to an hour and a half. And he gets mad at her when she starts hurting. Wow. Okay. These guys got into a fight the other day over cheese. Yeah. They got into a fight over cheese. It wasn't over. That's why I told when the wife was telling me, so I mean, you guys didn't get in a fight over cheese. You got in, in fact, it's not sex, it's power, but, but you didn't get in a fight over cheese and you didn't get in a fight over sex. You got to fight over power because mm-hmm. he's trying to control you. That's his control mechanism. And you're trying to fight that. And you guys got in a fight and then the cheese thing comes up. And so if you get rid of the sex issue, you don't fight over cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's true. Clear it up. I mean, we, I mean, and, and I also heard you say too, you know, men are logical thinkers, of course, and women, are, I should say men are more logical thinkers. I mean, yeah. Men can have emotions Which is too. True. Which is true. And then women are more emotionally. And I heard you say use the 50 50, mm-hmm. right? Explain to us a little bit about the 50 50 concept that you have. And you, you preface that question perfectly because the answer is not a behavioral answer. You know, it's not you do the dishes 50% of the time and I do the dishes. That is behavioral advice and it doesn't work. Right. It, just, so, just so you know, a partnership is when I get to do my, what I'm good at and you get to do what you're good at. That is a partnership. If, if both of us are sales guys, our business will fail, yet I want you to think exactly like me. When I want you to think exactly like me, that's called a dictatorship. Move to, sure. to, the, to North Korea. Okay? Yeah. A partnership is 50-50, but what it means is psychological 50-50. And that means... Now, now the backdrop of the, the answer, Josh, is before the 60s, before the 60s, men only thought, women only felt, recognize that men in the past, this is one of the changes in common sense that I talk about in my seminar, men in the past never connected with their children emotionally. Yeah, yeah. true. Okay. And when, so you run into that today where my dad didn't, and you know, girl, that's my story. This girl or dad never said he loved her. And this is a modern time in the, you know, good old boy dad, right? In 1970, less than 1% of all law and medical degrees went to women. By 1990, that number is over half. There's never going to be a conversation about the education of women. Right. But emotional men is the weakness. I'm not gay, not that there's anything wrong with it, as Jerry Seinfeld so famously said, because I am opening up my emotional side. In fact, here's the answer. Here's the, here's the answer, Josh. In fact, I love doing this. Christy, Okay. When you're having an emotional experience, that's not pleasant. Mm -hmm. Do you stay there? Do I stay there? You stay in that emotional unpleasantry. Well, let me, okay. Let me state it this way. You, you understand emotion. You understand you don't ignore emotions. Right. Okay. You don't ignore emotions. Right. You deal, deal with your emotions, right? Yes. Guys ignore emotions. True. Oh yeah. True. 
That's where I'm going with this. A woman, this happens every time I talk to you. Like, you know, of course, you know, I mean, you know, that's a girl. And here's my story. A girl comes home, tells her husband had a bad day, got in a fight with a girlfriend. Right? Husband says, "Don't worry about it." Right? That's the. But what, the reason why the girl is saying that she she's in that emotional world right now. Yeah. And she yeah. wants to have somebody to share that emotional experience with. And sure. here's a guy going, "Just don't let it bother you." Yeah. Feel. She wants you to feel it with her. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Tell the guy just to put your arm around her. Put your arm around her. Yep. That's equality. Yeah. In fact, one of the things you realize, this is one of the real profound statements of Carl Jung that I have in my seminar. Again, real quickly, the anima is a vision in the guy of a woman. The animus is the vision of a woman in the guy. And when you're dating and you're you're growing up, it first starts with your parents. Your parents show you love. You you start that vision. I don't have sex with my mom, but my mom had pretty eyes, so I like her eyes, so I want to grow with the, whatever. Right? Sure. You, you learn emotionally from your parents, and then you start dating. You break up. You're supposed to learn, and then you meet him or her. Okay. That's the connection between the man and woman. The animus and the anima come together. That's what love is. And then it's the energy force that connects the two that's either going to grow or shrink over time, right? That is that is the goal, okay? But the way that Carl Jung describes when relationships aren't working is the anima and the animus, the anima and the animus manifest themselves most typically in personified form in the irrationality of a man's feeling and a woman's thinking. Hmm. And what he's saying in that statement is when you and I are getting, so when Christy, you and I aren't getting along, so we're heading towards Divorceville, I quit feeling and you quit thinking mm -hmm. because I am not comfortable with feeling. And then again, I'm not criticizing, women's are educated. I, I got to be careful when I say this. We, right. We, we, we all the time saying, oh, what do you mean? I'm logical. Logic. I'm, I'm but when it comes to relationships, yeah. yeah. And when it comes to relationships, we, we because the goal is to make conscious what is unconscious or else it appears as fate. We got to understand that our motivations are unconscious. We are not aware of our, 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 our motivations. We are not aware of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to make us aware of why we do what we do. And once you are aware of why you do what you do, then you understand yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. In fact, here, here's sort of the, to make the point. I had a girl once who was telling me that she's the logical one in the relationship. And I have that happen all the time when I say this, you know, girls say, well, I'm the logical one and the guy's emotional. Because again, Josh, you know, you look like a sensitive guy and, and, and I'm not saying that criticizing you, you know, and I am too. I've learned to be a sensitive guy. Yeah. But this girl was defending her position that she's logical and she was she was overdoing it. And what she was basically saying psychologically is I am now ignoring my emotional side. Sure. And I'm going to make such a stance to prove that I am part of the team, part of the men club, that I'm going to focus on, on my logical side if you lose sight of where you came from, you lose your grounding. Yeah. And you become disassociated with yourself when you do that. Yeah. And that's when people go off the deep end. I don't know who I am. I'm yeah. supposed to be a, you know, a logical guy, but now I'm in this emotion, but I'm not logical anymore. I'm just emotional. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, but the world... The world has taught us over the years that emotion is considered weak and logic is yeah. considered superior. And that is very untrue. They have yeah. their place and appropriate in a 50-50 sense, which is what, how I like what you said. You know, and I and I even, you know, when I listened to the story that was on the news station, you know, the women were like trying to defend or argue before you even had a time to explain. Right, and it's, right. I think people feel like you're saying, like they have to almost come to the rescue. Like, no, I'm logical if I'm a female. No, I'm logical. I'm not right. saying you're not logical and, and right. I'm saying you're an emotional being as a female. And there's, that's not a weakness. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Let me give you my personal example. And that's what I love about this. All I'm doing is talking about my own experiences. My, my, my job right now for myself is to get to know myself better. I have 60 hours of music, over 800 songs, and I listen to it and they're all my, I just downloaded Simon and Garfunkel. Every time I listen to the songs, I go back in time. Uh, to, but, 
but getting to know yourself that's that is that is the goal that is what we're supposed to be doing is getting to know ourselves in, in fact here's here's sort of the way I, I i explain all that you know if you were to call me an idiot right now mm-hmm. what is the natural response i'm going to defend myself right okay? yeah. yeah well guess what i realize i'm not an idiot because i know myself yeah. right so you can call me an idiot all you want, but it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because I know who I am. So you can call me names all day long, but it's not true. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that's the point. I've gotten to know myself. And when you get to know yourself, this is this is all the, the whole personal developed thing. Yeah. I was you were going. To, I just I went on sidetrack. What was your question, Josh? I want to get back to that. I, 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 I No, I think you answered it. No, you did. Yeah, I think you answered it. Yeah, Yeah, I really feel like you answered it. What do you believe is the answer to avoiding divorce and creating a bulletproof marriage? Well, that's, well, that's, that's, you know, my job is not to fix you. My job is to hold your hand while you fix yourself. Mm -hmm. Your biggest asset in a marriage is your shoulder. Mm. Your biggest asset in your marriage is your shoulder. Because one of the things I teach, you know, and you asked earlier, uh, Josh, you know, some of, the, some of the concepts that I teach. One of the things that I've done is I call it the hierarchy of the argument. This is when I get into the real deep stuff. It's called the hierarchy of the argument. There's a process that we go through that leads to our argument. And it starts off with an insecurity. Mom and dad got divorced. Okay, you said your, 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 your mom or your dad was married five times, Christy. So yeah. you now have... Yeah, you now have you now have that experience in your background. So you have, oh my God, five times? What's gonna happen to me? Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm afraid of marriage and you create a prejudice. This is one of the things that I've discovered is that our mental problems are prejudices. Mm-hmm. Which is a preconceived opinion that's not been thought yeah. out. So now mm-hmm. you have you you don't even see Josh. Mm-hmm. You can't see Josh because you have five divorces in your in your in your, your childhood. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't matter what Josh did, whatever Josh is going to do, he's going to prove that you're going to get divorced mm-hmm. because of your background. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is this is the whole projection thing. This is the whole, you know, turning onto yourself and, and learning what you've contributed to the marriage. In fact, one of the things I've never experienced a problem in a marriage that was 100% one person's fault. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we say it all the time, it hurt people hurt people. And that's just the way yeah, that yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. That's just the way that it is. It's it's yeah. it's not even supposed to be, it's not even intended 90% well, of the time. This way. Think, think about it this way. This is a more productive way of saying that. Okay, think about it this way. It's the same statement, but said in a better term. You get what you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get what you are. Yeah. But the point is, is you want to have a nice spouse? <laughs> then be nice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How am I supposed to appreciate when you're nice if I'm not? In fact, I use your niceness against you. That's one of the things that's been used against me. Through my my being not a nice guy has been a, a liability more than it's been an asset. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I mean the attraction model works. I mean the attraction what? model works. Being being something you know we would tell people too in America like you have to be worthy. Right, you have to be worthy of what you're getting in return or what you're asking for. You can't, right. you can't be a jerk and then ask someone to be nice to you. You know, it just doesn't work <laughs> that way. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> what do you mean? I can tell you to be. I can make you be nice to me. And yeah, then, right. So one of the things I tell people: you can't tell people to do something. We are mm. not children. Yeah. Okay, Josh, would you please do this for me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Josh. 
go take out the trash. Well, hang on a second. Right. Yeah. Why don't you ask me to take out the trash? I'll do it if you ask me, but you telling me to take out the trash? That's a different story. It's true. Nobody yeah. Our, in our one house. Of our, yeah. One of our things that our whole family says is don't tell me what to do. And we do it jokingly, but, yeah. but it's don't like, tell me what we're all type do. A, you know, yeah. it's, we have to be very careful and we have to be high level communicators. So that doesn't become a disdain it's a joke. area of us, but it's, it's, it's a become a joke over point. the time. There's yeah. always a bit of truth in jokes and you guys yeah. always, absolutely. And we understand that, you know, it's, we understand that and it's, you know, it's like, okay, don't tell me what to do. And like, okay, well, you, so you're saying you need to hear me, hear me say it differently. I got it. You know? <laughs> well, but here's the bigger point. Here's, here's what, here's what I'm talking about. This is, this is the biggest premise of what I teach. Okay. And it's basically the difference between God's will and free will. Okay. God's will is reactionary. Okay. If you go to the grocery store hungry, you're going to buy food you don't need. Right. Right. Okay. You react and then you get home. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't need all of that food because I went and was emotional in my, my grocery store shopping. If I put the grocery list together and I go and manage it by the grocery list, right? Mm -hmm. I planned for my grocery store. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'm saying is if you plan on this, if you're saying, you know, you know, uh, you know, we, don't tell me what to do instead of responding and reacting to don't tell me what to do. What's the solution? You talk about it in the future tense, right? Sure. Yep. So, so you just told me what to do. And I'm like, instead of saying, don't tell me what to do, which is now a fight or flight response. And now you're, I'm defensive, you're defensive. And now that leads to bad me. I'm like, well, you know, I really would prefer in the future, Christy, if you would say it this way. Yeah. 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 In fact, here's the best advice I think I've heard. And here's how I explain it to couples. Go get a sheet of paper. Okay. Write on that sheet of paper that we will not raise our voices to each other anymore. And yeah. have you and your spouse sign that. Okay. And then you go put that sheet of paper in the drawer. And when somebody raises their voice, you go and pull that sheet of paper out of the drawer and you go and show it to them and go, we, we agreed that we wouldn't raise yeah. our voice any longer. Right. Yeah. Right. You yeah. plan for how to deal with that. That's a, this is a partnership that, you know, your business, aren't we planning? Aren't we putting through policies and procedures together? Aren't we discussing our finances ahead of time? I mean, aren't we planning to grow our business as, as entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Marriage is the same thing. Marriage yeah. is the exact same thing. It's the exact, it's a partnership between two people that you're building something and what you're building is this bond between the two of you. And when you realize that that's what you're building, then you want to grow it or shrink it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Arguments shrink the bond between two people. You are not in the same emotional state when you're arguing as you are when you're happy with each other. And what you're doing, I call it death by a thousand swords. When somebody says, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. <laughs> that is when the job is done. That is when the emotional yeah. connection between the two of us has completely evaporated. But we live together. We have a checking account together. We have kids together. We become roommates. And there is no bigger hell on the planet than being roommates with somebody that you yeah. love and not realizing that you're roommates with somebody you love and you're trying to get that relationship yeah. back. Yeah. But it's like every time I turn around, I get in trouble. And so just screw it. Complacency, yeah. the dull thud of complacency is where most marriages that don't get divorced. Yeah, which is true. Today. Yeah. Well, Tim, you know, we appreciate your time. Uh, it's, been, it's been amazing. We probably could do this for four hours. 
and uh, you're just full we'll of knowledge. Do it in parts. That's what we'll do. We'll do it in parts. This is, there you this go. is phase one. We've got three more phases down the road. That's fair. We can do that. Well, do us a favor. Let our listeners and our viewers know where they can get in contact with you, where they can find you, where you're, where you're living at in the online space. Well, the, the easiest thing is my email address. So I've got an easy email address. It's my name, Tim Kellis, T-I-M-K-E-L-L-I-S at att.net. Tim Kellis at att.net. Yeah, that is but super easy. But the best way, and this is the biggest advice, you know, this meeting I went to where I, where I was doing the speaking engagement, and I, and I, uh, I announced everybody what I was doing, and I said, and I have this marriage group. So everybody's writing down the marriage group. It's called the Marriage Support Group. Okay. 27,000 members. You'll see a picture of a couple kissing. And that is the group to join. And it is very interactive. And you can find me there. I've got, like I said, about 80 other marriage experts. And not only that, if you post 30,000, I average 1,000 posts, 30,000 comments. So I average 30 comments per post average. Wow. And wow. I, get, I get posts that get two, three, 400 comments to it. So if you go in that group and you say, my husband just gave me divorce papers. And you post that in the group, you'll get all this dialogue. And I'm trying to make it more productive. I am fighting like dicks, like cats and dogs right now to keep it from being ju judgmental. I just right. leave them then, right? Which is the easiest thing. And you get a lot of that in the group. Yeah. I'm actually looking for judgmental people and professional licensed therapists to actually kick out of the group because I'm making sure it's a clean group that the advice you get is good advice and it's going to be productive and helpful because my mission is to lower the divorce rate. That is the vision I right. have. Number one, I can't do it by myself. Just like if you guys can't do what you're doing by yourself, right? Whatever we are doing, we have to build a community, and the community is that group. And I want that group to experience enough successes so that they start bragging about their successes. Yeah, and start talking about, well, I did this with this person, and this is what I learned, and now my marriage is back on track. Yeah, and if I get more and more of that traction, I can build up this entire community that should be at forty, almost forty thousand members by the end of the year. I'm back growing now. And I expect to be, you know, maybe double that in the following year. Yeah, awesome. Figures of people in no time at all. And we're going to have this huge community that I'm going to use as my platform to show the planet that you can actually learn how to create a marriage. Yeah. That is successful. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. So I welcome anybody watching this to join that community. It's a very awesome that's community. That's awesome. And, you know, I've worked very, I've spent, I spend two hours a day just letting people in the group. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. I work very hard in this and I've got admins and, and, you know, everyone's interactive and, you know, every time somebody posts, it's not supposed to, they report it to me and I boot yeah. them out of the group. I mean, I'm, I'm actively, actively managing that group on a regular basis. It's a big deal to me. It's a huge deal. To me. Yeah. And you having know, a, a, a community that's clean that, that divorce is not the only option and living in a miserable marriage isn't the only option. There's yeah. a third option. Right. We're actually really excited because one of our guests that we are going to have on too, she's actually a family law attorney. Divorce is what some, one of the things that she does and her background is so amazing. She has a very successful marriage of 30 years. I think she mm -hmm. said, and um, like many kids and she said she has a psychology degree too. And she said, when people first come into me, I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I try to talk them through their problems and point them to other directions first. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I am, it's, 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 she's a great, great person. And we were, we're very excited to have her on too, because it's, it's like an irony, right? And we have to work together yeah. in this. We can't do yeah. this alone. And when we start to act like we can, that's when we lose the battle. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting when you know it at the level that the three of us know that in, and you realize when greed is what's motivating people, there's nothing that pisses me off more than I'd rather be greedy than helpful. And and I think that that approaches an immorality that, right. uh, that can be 
very, Amen. very harmful to, to discuss. And, and that's what I think. In fact, the, the way I realized this is, this is a Martin Luther moment. You guys know the Martin Luther story, right? Yeah. With the, with the treatise on the, on the uh, church in Wurttemberg, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing now in the psychology industry because greed is more important than helping people in the psychology industry. Yeah. It's about time we wake people up to realize that you need to find something that's going to be helpful. And this is what you're supposed to be looking for. It's one of the things I love about the group. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach the group what is supposed to happen in therapy? What 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 is supposed to be the outcome of therapy? Think think about that one question. What are you looking? What is supposed to happen in this therapy? What are you supposed to be teaching? What are the rules? What are the things we're going through? What's going to happen? What's the objective? What's the outcome? There's no standards. There's no oversight, and there's no accountability in the psychology industry. It is That's unbelievable right. that that there's no that there's no foundation of the industry, and so we're creating that foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you for your time. We will make sure to put down links in the, uh, we'll, we'll put a link down to the group so yeah. people know yeah. that it's down inside the show notes. And we'll also put a link to your email if they want to contact you directly. And uh, Tim, again, uh, we thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on here. And we're excited for you and the stuff that you have going on. That's awesome. And, and thank you guys very much. Thank you guys very much for the opportunity. I really can't tell you how much I, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, to, to talk and you know, we're, 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 we're like souls in this whole thing. So, yeah. you know, this is, this is a connection that, that transcends our conversation today. And I'm really looking forward to, to the relationship with you guys. So I of course. You guys yes. Yes. Yeah. Same. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for being here for this episode. We pray and hope that you got a ton of value on this. We're going to make sure that we leave all the links we talked about in the interview down in the show notes. Do you have anything final wisdom words from the beautiful Christy? I hope you got the point that don't get divorced. Yeah. I love his I love his mission in life. His mm -hmm. mission in life is to bring down the divorce rates and to save marriages. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really did like now that Christy says this is that, you know, we asked them, you know, what is one really specific thing if we had a couple that showed up and they're on and he said they need to calm down. They need to slow down. Relax. And that is so true. Yeah, relax. They need to relax. And that's the thing that most people don't do. We're so busy trying to solve the problem, and now we've already fixated on divorce. We're not busy slowing down and saying, there's a solution to this. And there's always a solution. No matter your situation, I mean, besides if there's physical abuse, I want, you know, I want to be clear and stuff like that. But beyond the things that, you know, make it impossible, uh, God can redeem any relationship, anything. Mm -hmm. And so you have to slow down though to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we want to thank I you so much. I forgot what I was going to say now. Well, I'm so sorry. Jeez. I, that's why I have to interrupt him, people. Because I forget. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, so we want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll probably have Tim on again. And uh, you can always contact us in anytime that you want at joshandchristy.com. We got a bunch of stuff there that are for blended families. So you can get a hold of us there. And join our group, Christian Couples for Blended Families. You can join our group. Yeah, there's also a link on our website if you're interested in joining our group. Or you can join Tim's group as well. We'll have the links down inside the show notes. So yeah. we'll see you guys next Tuesday at 7. Bye.